knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up to what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Angela Whitehorn. And I know, or I'm guessing, that we're going to have some new people joining us this week because of the subject matter. Because if you're listening, you saw the title of this episode, and we're going to be talking about MOP. So I wanted to just quickly tell everyone who we are. We're Theology Gals, and it is our hope to encourage women in the study of God's Word, sound theology, and discernment. And uh, I don't want to neglect to mention also there's another one of us, um, although she's she just steps in sometimes now, and that's Ashley Glassick. So I'm thinking that we're going to have some different sorts of people tune in. There's going to be people that absolutely love mops, and they're tuning in right now saying, oh, what are these girls going to say? And, you know, you're, you're ready with your pad and paper for what we might say that's wrong. And there's some people that have tuned in that are, uh, have had concerns about mops. And I want, I know that some of what we're going to say may even be difficult for some to hear, but I want to just make clear, we're, we're not doing this to be critical at all. In fact, we, we tr really try not to do that, but because of our command to love God and our neighbors, because our love for the truth and everything that we need for life and godliness is found in the Word of God and because we're called to discernment. So I wanted to say all that. And so we have an, a special guest joining us tonight also, and that's Stephanie Schumacher. And one reason that we have included Stephanie tonight is neither Angela nor I have ever been involved with mops. But I will tell you that I have done so much research the last um, little while. But Stephanie is the one that originally contacted me and said, hey, I've got some concerns about mops. I've done some research. And she sent us her research. And she has been involved in MOPS, so I thought it would be helpful to include someone who's been involved with MOPS. And I want to mention also that you will find on our website, if you're listening Sunday night, it'll be Monday morning, that you will find an article that Stephanie has written specifically about MOPS. And 
we'll get to that a little bit later because I don't want to like throw out what her article is about if you haven't seen it yet. So, ladies, I wanted to start by talking about discernment because I think there's just so many misunderstandings. Angela, you and I have have dealt with this when we talked about Rachel Hollis's book where people, you're not supposed to judge, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to love, blah, 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 you know, mm, and yes. Can you maybe you should talk about our call to discernment? Yeah. Well, you know, Titus 2 1 tells us, but as for you, teach the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine, which produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. So when we are thinking about what we ought to be taught or what type of doctrine we ought to be learning, um, the Bible tells us to teach things that are in agreement with sound doctrine. And we know that we get sound doctrine from the word of God. So I'm thinking back to, uh, like you said, Colleen, about um, some episodes we've done before on some of Rachel Hollis's books. And, you know, we did receive some feedback. Oh, you guys are just being too picky. You're being mean. Um, this is call out culture, but really what, what we did and what we'll do tonight is, is compare, um, some of the problems with the word of God. And that is to be our standard. Um, and that is what the Bible tells us. So, um, you know, we are simply observing what is being taught or what type of doctrine is being brought forward in a book or by a teacher or in a program such as MOPS. We're observing and we're comparing to the Word of God. Well, and there's that quote that we always use from Charles Spurgeon, which I neglected to write down, but I'm sure a lot within our audience will know what I'm talking about when he talks about the difference between right and almost right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of us are pretty good at picking out the difference between right and wrong, but right and almost right can be a little bit more difficult to pick out. And so um, sometimes when we come across these issues that might have a lot of influence, like a program like MOPS, um, that's why we'll do a program like this is to help um, our sisters along with seeing the difference between right and almost right. Um, we've you got this great quote here by Sinclair Fern Ferguson on what discernment is. Let's read that. What is this discernment? The word used in Psalm 119.66 means taste. It is the ability to make discriminating judgments to distinguish between and recognize the moral implications of different situations and courses of action. It includes the ability to weigh up and assess the moral and spiritual status of individuals, groups, and even movements. Thus, while warning us against judgmentalism, Jesus urges us to be discerning and discriminating lest we cast our pearls before pigs. I think it's important to point out that the way that we can be discerning, know the difference between right and almost right, between truth and error, is by knowing the Word of God. Because the Word of God is our standard for what is true and what is false, what is truth, what is error, what is right and almost right. And that's something that we encourage everyone to do. There's going to be a resource sheet that I'll include somehow with this episode. You might have to go to our website theologygals.com. You may have to go to our website to, to find that because it doesn't always link within episode notes on different apps. Um, but everything that we talk about tonight, we're going to have all of it. We're going to have all of it cited and links and, and even something that you can take to your own pastors. 
And I will also say we have so much information tonight. We're just simply not going to get to all of it. A lot more scripture that we're just not going to get to. But I wanted to read Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So we need to be sure that we are following Christ and not man, that we're not being deceived by empty philosophies in this world. Uh, one of the things that happens is um, a misunderstanding of love. And in Scripture, we all are called to love God and love our neighbor. And I think that in this day and age, if you criticize anything that you're seen as unloving, but that's actually not biblical. You need to be very mm. careful in saying that's not loving um, because sometimes it's actually loving for my sister to come to me and say, Colleen, you're in error. It shows more love for her to come to me with gentleness and, and kindness and patience than it does to say nothing. That's right. Love is not just telling someone what they want to hear or endorsing what they think, making them feel good, um, saying yes to whatever it is that they want. Um, you know, love is, is taking the truth that we know and building up our brother and sister in that. And so if we do um, see error in their theology or their life, um, we have a concern, then love drives us to bring that up um, gently and um, in kindness. You know, the other thing that sticks out to me is Romans 16, seven, verses 17 and 18. And what that passage really talks about is the ones who are causing divisions are the ones who are teaching false doctrine, mm, not, not the right. ones bringing it up. You know, it says mm -hmm. to brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ with their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And so it's not those that expose false doctrine and exposing false doctrine is a biblical thing to do, but it is those who teach false doctrine that are causing the division. And lastly, I just wanted to respond to the idea, you're not supposed to judge. Matthew 7 says, do not judge lest you be judged yourself. Well, uh, go read that entire chapter because I think that's one of the most misused uh, verses in scripture that I hear all the time. Christ there is not forbidding his people from issuing judgments altogether. In fact, Jesus in this, that same passage, in the same gospel orders, calls us to discriminate between good and evil. So go and read that entire chapter because it's not, it's not saying never judge. That, that's not what it's saying at all. But it does talk about how we should judge and taking the log out of our own eye first. Do I have any errors? Mm. Yes. And you know, the word tells us in First Thessalonians 5.21 to test everything and then hold fast what is good. So, you know, if we hold fast what is good, that tells us according to the testing, there's going to be some things that don't pass. There's going to be some things that we come across that say, we say, you know what, this wasn't good. And we are not supposed to hold fast to that. So um, in my mind, the opposite of that is discard divorce yourself from that. Get away from those those false teachings and those bad teachings. So, you know, pointing out, hey, this teaching is uh, undermines the gospel, or this is a false teaching, or this is a false teacher. We're doing what the Word of God tells us to do. We are uh, testing everything. Um, we are holding fast to that which is good, and we are discarding that which is not good.
So I think we're going to jump into MOPS now. And for those who aren't familiar with MOPS, it started in 1973, the year I was born. And it was just a small group of women for a couple hours. Their children had childcare, and the mothers got to talk and laugh and eat and pass a basket for childcare expenses, do a craft, these sorts of things. And a little quote from the MOPS website, through friendship, creative outlets, and instruction, the woman began to understand that mothering matters. And you know what? I can remember being a young mom and overwhelmed, and I had moved to a new city and just a thousand miles from where I'd lived, I knew nobody. Something like this, I would have, I would have jumped. I really had one car at the time, so I couldn't really do much. But I can understand that. Connect with other young moms. That sounds amazing to me. And MOPS seems to be for two groups of people, at least from what I've been able to understand. First of all, it's for moms, obviously. Um, but it's for Christian moms, but it's also for non-Christian moms. And a lot of times they seem to paint it as an evangelistic opportunity. But I want to bring Stephanie in now because, Stephanie, you joined MOPS. And I'd love for you to tell our audience what it was that attracted you, why you joined, what were you, you were hoping for when you joined. Yeah, so kind of similar to you, Colleen. Um, my husband and I had just moved to a new city. And I had an almost two-year-old and was about, oh, seven months pregnant with our second baby. And so I was really, I'd heard about MOPS before, um, but I never really looked into it. And then at the church that we were attending here, they announced that they were hosting MOPS. And, you know, if you wanted to join, that you could meet other young moms at this church and in the area. And I thought, this would be just the perfect fit. Of course, I'm going to sign up. And I I didn't know actually that it wasn't for non-Christian moms. I thought it was just Christian moms. And so one, one of the reasons I did want to join was because it was to be a Christian organization versus um, just like a regular, like a secular moms group. I wasn't interested in it. I wanted to go to a Christian mom's organization because I wanted to be fed with real truths that I needed to hear and then also meet, you know, other moms in the same life season as me uh, where we could connect more on a deeper level than just, you know, uh, surface level things. I wanted to go a little bit deeper to build like real friendships. So Stephanie, in your experience being in MOPS, would you say that that sort of describes most of the women who are in MOPS that they may be experiencing some loneliness in that sort of young motherhood phase. They're looking for, for friends they're looking for support. I think so. Um, I think that most of the moms there like me for, so the one that I went to was every other Friday morning for two hours. And so being in a part of the country where there is a very long winter, um, for me, it was exciting to think that there was somewhere I could go every other Friday for two hours. And I think a lot of the women joined for that reason, to get out of the house, um, know that their children would be safe in the childcare that was at the church, to socialize. And, you know, some of the positive things that went with that were, you know, getting to really... Um, talk in person, which you don't do a lot when you're a stay-at-home mom, um, to have like some uninterrupted conversations. And there was food and coffee and 
sometimes we did crafts. And so there were some really fun elements to it. And so I think those women really were like me searching for some sort of friendship, some sort of like, hey, you're not the only one who feels <laughs> lonely or tired or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. And and really, we do feel a camaraderie if we connect with someone in our that's in our season of life. Oh, you have young kids. I have young kids too. Oh, you're struggling with these things. I'm struggling with those things as a mom too. Right. And I think it was really helpful. You know, it's like at my table in particular, um, there were eight of us and I had a baby and then another girl a month later had a baby. And so, um, and then two of them ended up being pregnant halfway through. And so there's a lot of like, we're all in the very same season of not sleeping, of needing lots of help and being, you know, dealing with the toddler issues and the joys that come with toddlers too. Um, And then the new baby seasons. And so really just, yeah, like you said, we just could really bond over that sort of thing. You know, one of the things I wanted to just say real quick, because especially as we're going to get into the criticisms in a minute, is we know that there are good, solid churches with MOPS programs. And we even know mm-hmm. that some of those good, solid churches, I, t- I have talked to so many people involved with MOPS. I've talked to a lot of people that have left MOPS. I've talked to some that are still part of it or who have left recently. And we wanted to say that, but we think that those good, solid churches, every church needs to be aware and and know whether or not that MOPS is promoting sound doctrine. And, and we'll get to that in a second. But I want to just ask you, Stephanie, when did you start having concerns? Okay, so I hate to say it, but on my very first day, I started having concerns. And honestly, it wasn't anything that the women at this local group did or said that concerned me. What it was is that they played a video by Mandy Ariada, who is a CEO. And honestly, I don't recall there any there being anything really wrong with what she said in that video. But what she said at the end was to look her up on social media. And so I did. And when I did, I was immediately concerned with um, her Instagram account, which sounds so silly, but I was concerned because of who she was promoting on there. And I remember I told my husband, and but at this point I was like, I was about nine months pregnant right when MOPS started. Um, so then I ended up having my baby and went through, I missed, you know, several meetings after that. And then when I came back and started to kind of be out of that newborn haze a little bit, um, and started paying attention a little bit more was when I discovered that, oh no, like the women at my table, I can't speak for all the women and I can't speak for all the women, you know, you know, all the different mops groups around, but in my table in particular, half Christians, half not Christians. And I didn't know that. And so then that's when I started to really get concerned, um, with some of the messaging that was being shared, with the lack of the gospel ever being shared. And was when I brought it to my husband, my concerns, and we really started um, looking into this more. You know, that's actually a great segue. I say that too often. <laughs> Any, anyone who's <laughs> listened any length of time, I say that too often. Um, but it is a great segue into what we're going to be talking about. I want to give people kind of a... A, a quick point by point of what we're going to 
be addressing throughout the rest of the episode. We're going to be addressing really kind of three main things um, within it in one little kind of sub uh, topic that will go underneath two of the topics. But one of them is gospel issues, and we're going to be talking about that no clear gospel some not great theology. And I do want to tell people, especially if you're new to us, that we do distinguish between heresy, serious error, and secondary acceptable in-house disagreements. So I know we have many denominations among us, and there are things that we are going to all agree on, and there are things that we're going to disagree on. And so heresy specifically is anything contrary to foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. And those foundational doctrines have been recognized throughout all of church history. Those are things like the Trinity and justification by faith alone um, and the, the deity of Christ, the authority of God's word. Those are things that are foundational. These are things you must believe in to be in Christ, to be saved Although that's not what saves you, but if you believe something contrary to the Christian faith throughout church history, um, that person would have been seen outside of Christ, outside of the church, because they're believing something that is against what is foundational, what is necessary to believe. There are serious errors that we would not call heresy, but they are serious enough to separate over. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight is going to fall into that category and then there are acceptable secondary disagreements among us. So we might have um, some soteriological differences, which means that has to do with the doctrine of salvation. So you might have Calvinists or Arminians. Um, those are acceptable in-house disagreements um, among the body of Christ or end times doctrine. You might have an amillennial and a premillennial, and they still have fellowship. That's a, a acceptable secondary disagreement in-house disagreement, and then false teachers promoted. And this is actually a very big thing for us because you have to be very careful who you promote. Um, Angela and I know this. We know that we need to be very careful who we promote. And one of the things we we're talking about is, is Mandy's books. And what I wanted to say, when I started this podcast, my brother-in-law's dad, who's been on a radio show for 25 years called The White Horse Inn, so my brother-in-law says to me, um, you should do the podcast, but just be aware when you put yourself out there, when you have a platform, you are opening yourself up to criticism. And so mm. Mandy, who is the president of Mops, when she puts a book out there, it is out there for criticism. That's why you can go on Amazon and do a one-star review or five-star review. She's out there for praise or criticism. And so when you're out there, you are putting yourself out there for to be scrutinized. And the other thing I want to make clear is we believe very strongly that Mandy and the MOPS board has been aware of the concerns, and yet these things continue. We're going to be linking a lot of things in the episode notes. Um, a gal named Sarah Wilkins, and she goes to Wade Burleson's church. She wrote an open letter to MOPS in 2016, and she talked about almost the exact same things that we're going to be talking about tonight. And she had a phone conversation with Mandy, and, and we'll link her article and her um, follow-up article where she talks about those things. And I have spoken to people that have left MOPS, including people that had phone conversations with Mandy and made their concerns known. So this isn't like we're just coming out of left field, nobody's ever told them or anything like that. 
there's there's strong evidence to suggest that they're aware. In fact, we'll even mention something from Mandy's recent book, which really points to her being aware. So I want to start with the gospel issues. Um, if you've listened to us for any length of time, you know that the gospel is central to everything that we do. And that is so important because we have gotten notes saying, I grew up in the church and I just heard the gospel for the first time on your podcast. We're going to start with that. And I always throw that to Angela. (laughs) It is my privilege to share the gospel with our listeners. Um, We believe that the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has done for sinners what we could not do for ourselves. And that is that he lived a sinless, perfect life. Um, born of a virgin and died on the cross to pay the penalty and atone for our sins and that we can be unified with him and receive his righteousness imputed to us if we place our trust fully in him and in his finished work and no longer in ourselves or any ability that we have um, because we aren't able. Um, It takes us admitting that we are sinners We have offended a holy God, and we are unable to meet his holy standard of perfection. And the only way that we can be holy before him and united with him is to trust in Christ because um, he met those perfect demands on our behalf. Amen. Stephanie, would you um, read Galatians 1? It's it's 6 through 9. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. You know, if you want to know the importance of having a correct gospel, go read the whole book of Galatians. And Mm -hmm. we just talked about what was right there in the beginning of Galatians, which really sets the stage for the rest of the book. And it is very, it's a very serious error to not have the the right gospel. The gospel is central to our faith. The gospel Mm. is the good news to our bad news. Uh, It's not a secondary issue. If you don't have the correct gospel, you do not have the Christian faith. One thing I wanted to say there in, in a book that Angela and I quoted from a lot a couple of weeks ago, there's a chapter that's something like the gospel is for Christians too. And so often you have, unfortunately, where the gospel is preached as the beginning, but then you don't need it anymore. But the truth is I need the gospel every day. I need to be reminded of Christ's work for me because I struggle every single day. And Church programs, including MOPs, whether it's for evangelism or whether it's for women who are already in Christ, they need to hear that gospel every single week. Amen. So, you know, if if anyone is sort of thinking to themselves, well, you know, MOPs is primarily for Christian women. So, you know, it's not about evangelism. It's not important to have the gospel in the curriculum. We would disagree with that and say, just as as you've already said, Colleen, the gospel is for Christians, too. Um, Uh, But also that, you know, there's not this separate, well, this is for evangelism. This is for believers. The gospel is for believers and unbelievers. We all need to hear the gospel. 
Before we get to the gospel and mops and what Mandy has to say, Stephanie, did you hear the gospel much? And what I ha- what I have learned from talking to lots of different people, that there are churches that are very proactive, even though it's not central or even part of mops curriculum almost at all, that those churches are um, very purposeful and proactive about sharing the gospel. Um, but I hear a lot of a lot of them aren't. What, what was your experience? So my experience was that I did not hear the gospel. And that was one thing that I was, I brought to my husband right away. Once I, once I realized that, oh, this isn't a room full of Christians only, or even just mature Christians. And like you said, I still need to hear the gospel. I was struggling with, um, our baby was struggling to gain weight and I was going through a really hard season postpartum with that. And so I needed to be reminded of the gospel every day um, where my hope was in, you know, and then I realized these women aren't all Christians and they're going through the same things I am or worse and how they desperately need to hear the gospel as well. And Mm -hmm. I, my heart really broke um, because there were several women who were going through things that I'm sure all of us have gone through, either uh, miscarriages, you know, issues with that newborn phase with your children or marriage struggles. Like I'm sure that most people have all been there. And when you don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, I don't know what you do. And so my heart really broke because it wasn't being proclaimed. And I know that a lot of the women said that they have one-off conversations with women where they do share the gospel. So I can't say that, you know, that never happened. I don't know. Um, But as far as a, you know, we're coming here every other Friday for two hours and you have everyone's attention, um, the gospel wasn't shared. And they would sometimes do, I don't know if you guys know, but they would sometimes do like videos from MOPS headquarters. So MOPS would provide like a curriculum. And so they could do videos that were shared from headquarters or bring in local speakers to come and speak about any kind of topic really related to motherhood, or they would do a craft. And so it really varied how the meetings went each time. And I'm sure it's a wide variety depending on which mops you're a part of and who the leaders are and who the church is that you're a part of. Um, so I was actually really concerned and upset, um, but more upset as like just I was honestly sad that the gospel hadn't been shared and that they were, I believe that they were planning to do it for Easter but I thought, oh, we've been here since August, you know, every other Friday for two hours. And we got to share the gospel here. Mm. Yeah, and, and one of the things, too, and Sarah Wilkins talks about this in her uh, letter and follow-up piece, is that Mandy doesn't talk about sin. The gospel is, called, is the good news. But it is the good news to some bad news. Mm-hmm. The bad news is that we are sinners before a holy God. We are hopeless you know, we deserve his judgment because we have sinned against a holy God. And now we have this good news that Christ came and he, he obeyed the law perfectly for us. He died on the cross for our sins 
so that our sins may be forgiven, but he also obeyed the law perfectly that his righteousness might be imputed to us. That's good news. I want to share that every week. And I think that that's what um, what hurting moms need to hear. One of the things I want to say is, from what I could tell, Mops has had the same statement of faith for quite a while. And just one little section, their, their statement of faith is sound. You know, I, I couldn't find anything serious wrong with it. But one, one section, Mops International is committed to telling the truth of the saving work of Jesus Christ, of God's grace to mankind, of the reality of the Trinity and the role of the church in God's plan for the world. Okay. But I don't think that that's consistent with what we're hearing from MOPS. And we're going to use several different examples. I want to add on to what you just said, Colleen, about, you know, um, the MOPS statement of faith has probably been around for a long time and it's, it seems orthodox, doesn't seem to have any troubles. Um, I thought this might be a good time to point out that you know, MOPS having been around for a long time, we probably have listeners who were a part of MOPS years ago, maybe 10, 20 years ago, even further back than that, who may be thinking, wow, this is not what it was like when I was in it. And that's probably true. So um, I, from what I can understand um, from all of the research that Stephanie and others have done, this is these are some fairly recent issues and it has veered off pretty quickly and pretty yeah. Um, pretty far, pretty fast. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what MOPS has as the gospel now and what Mandy says that the gospel is. I'll tell you, I was pretty shocked reading some of these quotes. Um, Some of this is very, very sad. Um, This is a quote of Mandy Arioto um, on a MOPS leader phone call. She says, here's the thing. We live amongst a generation of people, of women, of families who are famished physically and spiritually, families who are looking for something. But here's the thing. People are so interested in finding hope that they have no idea what the good news is. And they haven't found it amongst the followers of Jesus until now. We are people who are reclaiming the good news, who are walking out among the way of the one we follow, a man named Jesus, and bringing good news to hurting people. Eight million people are leaving the church every year, and so we are taking serious responsibility for the fact that we need to be people who come bearing the good news, reclaiming the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is friends when you are lonely, it's food when you are hungry, It's kindness with no strings attached. It is food when your baby is sick. Good news is Jesus, and it is the embarrassingly extravagant love of God. This is this is uh, very sad because just as you pointed out, um, Colleen, it 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 really lacks that any conversation um, about sin, any conversation about the fact that I have offended a holy God, and that I need Christ's righteousness to cover my sin problem. This is more about felt needs, really, than sin and my needing to have a bridge to bring me back uh, so that I can have a relationship with God. You know, uh, Angela, you and I did an episode maybe about six months ago, on moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm. Some of the stuff that I read, and I'll link that in our episode notes. I highly recommend it. Um, some of the stuff that I read really reminded me of what we were talking about, that moralistic mm-hmm. therapeutic deism, the moralistic, you know, doing you know, right and wrong, good things, therapeutic, where Jesus is more about making you feel better and deism. Mm. And God's not going to 
is he's not going to intrude on your lives, but he's there if you need him. And a Mm, lot of it, I have a quote that I have specifically, this is from Mandy from her book. And I specifically did not share this one with Angela because I wanted to get her, you know, on YouTube, there's sometimes reaction (laughs) videos. I, I, I confess I, because I was a music major and musician, one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is when, um, voice teachers react to hearing, a really great vocalist for the first time. So I love those. So I'm going to do almost like a reaction video. uh, Hit me with a really great quote, Colleen. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'd go real great quote that far, but this one is very interesting. Many of us who have a spiritual frame of reference have missed interpretations about the story God tells us about our body. The story starts with the idea that we were created by a good God. This God is a craftsman who, when he is finished creating, looks at his work and declares it good. Another part of the story is that humanity's earliest experiences were in a garden, a garden named Eden, which in Hebrew means delight. The story goes that these first people were naked in a garden named Delight, with delicious food growing all around them. It is interesting to me that the original design for humanity was to live with our skin exposed to the world and unashamed of our bodies and enjoying good things that grow wild. And the place that delivered all these opportunities was called Delight. As the story unfolds, we read that the desire for knowledge and power got the better of these first humans. They wanted insider knowledge of great and unsearchable things, but little did they know that what they would learn wasn't life-giving, but rather life-taking. In their quest to know God's mind, they learned they were naked and they became ashamed. They were so aware of their vulnerabilities that they lost the ability to enjoy all that the light had once offered them. Ultimately, they were banished from the garden. The curse they carried with them as they left was that their work would become all-consuming. Basic provision for their bodies would burden. The land would grow thorns and thistles that would complicate their efforts. Clearing thorns and tilling the ground would fill their days. Delight was forgotten. Fast forward a ton of years, and a man who is God in skin gives his life in exchange for the curse of being banished from the garden. A crown of thorns is placed upon his head as a symbol that thorns no longer have to be a burden. The kingdom is being restored. Delight returns. He has come that we might have life and have it to the full. The only issue is that we have yet to remember what it feels like to delight. So what do you think? Um, Well, the first thing that I want to say about that is God in skin is some pretty atrocious Christology right there. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure Athanasius is rolling over in his grave right now. Um, you know, I, this is sort of, um, I, my first feeling towards this, um, long quote is that it's very sentimental. It's a lot of sentimentalism, um, without, you know, sin was completely absent from that, uh, quote. It's more like, well, we started with lots of pleasure and, you know, we went a little too far. And now Jesus came to restore pleasure to our life. I, um, I, this, That's of course, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is a version of moralistic therapeutic deism. 
You know, and one of the things that um, I've noticed too is what is neglected often in these conversations, like what Stephanie read earlier from that All Leader Conference call. And even from this, what's neglected is like you said, sin. And I think about this story and I can't think about this story without thinking about the promise that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's, serpent's head. The, that, that is the promise of a savior. That, that's what's often missing, I find, um, from a lot of this. So, Well, you know, if there's no sin problem, then we have to then think about, well, what did Jesus come for, come for? If he didn't come to fulfill the Father's demands of perfect righteousness and then pay the penalty for the sins that I've committed, then what else did he come for? Now I've got to come up with a different answer. And in this version, the answer was pleasure. Um, and, and that's a similar answer to uh, moralistic therapeutic deism, self-improvement, making my life better, making my life easier. And the basic uh, starting point in that theological system is there's nothing wrong with me. Um, humans are not basically sinful. We're basically good, but we need a little help. Um, and that's what I heard in that quote. And one, th one thing that I get from a lot of what I read is that it's more about um, being fulfilled. Instead of, in, you know, like Angela said, if you don't have the problem of sin, then why did Jesus come? And sin is almost never talked about. In fact, Sarah Wilkins, and I believe it's in her update blog article after she wrote the open letter, talks about her conversation with Mandy and her and the fact that she was not successful in getting Mandy to talk about sin. And a lot of times, um, we've seen this with Rachel Hollis, we've seen this with other people, where sin is more like the problems in life, the sticky situations, instead of the fact that we've sinned against a holy God. Stephanie, can you um, talk about the Mops Evangelism video? Yeah, I was just actually thinking about that. Um, so the Mops Evangelism video is... Mandy, this is this is their approach to evangelism, essentially, is what it is. And I think it's about 10 minutes long, so it's pretty long. But um, in that video, she says some really interesting things where she does say, it is choosing to believe that our mistakes are forgiven, our healing is imminent, and that hope always wins. And so, like you said right there, she doesn't talk about sin, but it's just mistakes is what she seems to re refer to often if she does. Mm. You know, I, I think this may be from the same video, but I see a lot of talk about nourishing ourselves as being part of the gospel. She talks about nourish yourself and go in peace, come alive. Coming back to life is a restoration of that which was lost. It's a filling in of the gaps and broken brokenness and a breathing deeply of hope and healing. That's really similar to um, the section that you just read, Stephanie, uh, the filling in of the gaps and brokenness that is much, much softer than the, you know, the gospel is the antidote to my sin problem. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned Sarah Wilkins, and I, I found the quote. Um, she's, Sarah Wilkins, in her follow-up letter, we're linking all of this in the episode notes. She says, when I spoke to Mandy via phone, I directly asked her about her view on sin. She was nice to me over the phone and even offered to fly me to Denver to speak on Emmanuel's outreach successes through MOPS, as well as our outreach strategies. But Mandy didn't answer my question on her view of sin. She did talk to me 
about next year's theme, but my heart grew even more troubled by, by what I heard. There seemed to be deep theological differences between her theology and my understanding of biblical Christianity. Those differences may even be irreconcilable because it seems to me through hearing Mandy's own words, her views are entrenched. After listening to Mandy's review, according to next year's MOPS theme, I felt compelled to ask her again about her view of sin. Mandy would not speak to me about sin, and it seemed to me that because I pressed for an answer, I was the problem. You know, one thing that I thought over and over and over is we believe, because it's clear in Scripture, in substitutionary atonement. That means that Christ died in our place. And I had some very strong concerns about what is Mandy's view of the atonement, because when there's no talk of sin, where it seems like Jesus came to just make right the fact that we are kicked out of the garden and we now have to till the land and, and whatnot. And there were several other things, too, that I just kept thinking, what exactly does she believe about the atonement? And that can be potentially severely problematic. And Angela, maybe you could just talk about why our view of the atonement is so important. Oh, absolutely. The atonement is the heart of the gospel. Um, the atonement is the doctrine surrounding what did Jesus actually do and accomplish on the cross. And we believe that he really accomplished salvation for real sinners, not a potential salvation. Um, it's more than just Christ being victorious, though he was and is. It is about satisfying God, God's holiness, satisfying his um, requirement of payment, of penalty for the sins that we've committed. And so um, in, in, we call it the great exchange. It's imputation. My sin is imputed to Christ on the cross. That means it's transferred to him and it's on him. And in exchange, his righteousness is imputed to me. And so um, when the father looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the holy life that Christ lived. That's the heart of the gospel. We don't, we don't have salvation without that doctrine. It's very important. You know that old thing where they say justification is just as if I never sinned. And I heard one pastor say, it, it's actually more than that. It's just as if I never sinned and as if I've obeyed the law perfectly. We talk about the imputation yeah. of Christ's active obedience to us. So him obeying perfectly is imputed to us. That is amazing. That is good news. And I think about mom's hurting. And so we're talking about the gospel and we're going to move on to the next thing. But I want to say, I know what it's like. I, and people, maybe you don't know me, but I have four sons and they're older now. They're uh, 16, 19, almost 21 and almost 23. I know what it's like to have young kids and feel overwhelmed, to feel hopeless, to feel lonely. I remember, I remember. And even as an older mom, I can feel that way. I can't think of any better news that Christ loved me to die on the cross for my sins, to live a perfect life. That's good news. And that's for you, whether you know Christ or don't know Christ. And, and I hope if you don't know Christ, that you hear that gospel and put your faith in him. Uh, one thing I thought about over and over, I'm going to link a message from YouTube from Michael Horton, because I believe that MOPS is, is what's called Christless Christianity. 
And Michael Horton has a great message on this. And I, as I listened to it again twice in the last two weeks, and he talked about what Christless Christianity is. One thing he talks about is in Christless Christianity, they talk about God, they talk about Jesus, but the focus is more on um, what, would, what would Jesus do than on what has Jesus done. And what would Jesus do means nothing if we don't have what has Jesus done as the foundation. I want to just read a couple quotes from Christless Christianity, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm putting together a resource sheet that will go along with this episode, and I'll put all of these quotes in there. We talked earlier about love, so I'm going to read this one. Jesus was not revolutionary because he said we should love God and each other. Moses said that first. So did Buddha, Confucius, countless other religions religious leaders we've never heard of, Madonna, Oprah, Dr. Phil, and Dalai Lama, and probably a lot of Christian leaders will tell us that the point of religion is to get us to love each other. God loves you doesn't stir the world's opposition. However, start talking about God's absolute authority, holiness, Christ's substitutionary atonement, justification apart from works, the necessity of the new birth, repentance, baptism, communion, and the future judgment, and the mood in the room changes considerably. And uh, read this one too. If we think the main mission of the church is to improve life in Adam and add a little moral strength to this fading age, we have not yet understood the radical condition for which Christ is such a radical solution. Whoa, isn't that just what we were talking about? Um, I have several quotes. I want to recommend two books. I do recommend Christless Christianity. It is part of a trilogy, um, Christless Christianity, The Gospel-Driven Life, and The Gospel Commission. Those books are wonderful. And I also want to recommend Christianity and Liberalism from Jay Gresham Machen because there is so much good and that really fits into what we're talking about here. Well, we're going to move on to talk about some of the teachers promoted through MOPS. Maybe, Stephanie, you can start us off with one of the teachers that's promoted in MOPS curriculum. And let me say real quick, uh, we're often talking about Mandy's books, Starry-Eyed and Have More Fun. And the reason why we bring those books into it is those books are uh, included in the leader materials that MOPS leaders receive, and it's encouraged for MOPS members to purchase them and read them. So, Stephanie, who's one of the problematic teachers and something you learned about these <laughs> teachers? One of the teachers that um, seems to have a really big influence on Mandy is Rob Bell, and she she does quote from him in I believe both of her books. And in addition to that, though, there are just like, even when you look at the Mops Evangelism video that she put out, um, the exact story that she tells and the way she, she tells it is um, similar to a Rob Bell sermon that he gave at Willow Creek years before. Anyways, so there's just a lot of similarities with that. I want to say right now, because uh, I know that our listeners may feel like that was a little vague and it's similar and okay, whatever. Um, I'm familiar with the Rob Bell sermon. And when I read these quotes, that's the first thing that I thought of is very, very similar language. I'm going to read some of it. This is again, going back to, she's talking about nourishing ourselves. It's choosing to believe that our mistakes are forgiven, our healing is imminent and that hope always wins. Um, You know, uh, Rob Bell's book was Love Wins. 
Um, nourishing ourselves. Nourishing ourselves is permission to acknowledge the deep hunger and nagging longings that cause our insides to feel ravenous for sustenance. It is permission from the healer himself to consume that which holds energy to sustain us. It means rest and play and good food and being with people who care for us. It means finding ways to encounter Jesus, not just in the ways we are told we are supposed to get to know him, but in ways that actually work for us. This is all very, very similar to Rob Bell um, theology. So I think it's I do not think it's a stretch at all to say that Mandy is highly influenced by Rob Bell and she does quote him favorably. She does. And I think like what you just read there about encountering Jesus in ways that we're not told to, I think she's referring to the church and just, you know, traditional Christianity and Rob Bell is very against that. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He also is against the authority of the Bible. There's a quote, in his book, What is the Bible, that she references in her book, um, where he says, that's what the Bible is. It wasn't written by a third party somewhere in the sky who passively and objectively tells you what the plan is. It was written by real people in real places at real times, doing their best to make sense of it all. And then he also says, so one of the main points of the library of books, which is what he calls the Bible, um, that some refer to as the Word of God is that there are lots of words of God and you can and should listen to them all exactly. Well, he at least undermines and and highly downplays the authority of the word of God. Um, You know, the inspiration of the word of God, it being the word of God. I mean, when he talks about that the library of books is just written by people in different times and places trying to make sense of it all, that Mm -hmm. is stripping the word of God of its inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Yes. And he does. It's like this, um, these are just regular people who just wrote regular things. And so when when I discovered that, I was just completely shocked um, that a Christian organization and the CEO of it would ever reference Rat Bell. I mean, there's so many other people that you could quote from, you know. Um, He also says in his, that same book, um, did Jesus have to die? No, he didn't. He was killed. And God didn't need to kill someone to be happy with humanity. What kind of God would that be? Awful and horrific. And this, of course, is what we were just talking of, that when sin gets erased from the equation and it's a thing that doesn't exist in your theology, now you need a different reason for whether for why Christ died. And it becomes easy for you to say, did he have to die? No, people killed him. Um, and this is, this is a natural outflow of not believing that the scripture is the word of God. Um, I want to compare that to the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter one, paragraph four, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God. One thing that really concerned me, I read all of um, her most recent book, Have More Fun, and I've spoken with a lot of people, and I'm not going to name all of them. Some of them spoke with me on the condition of anonymity, and some were fine with me mentioning them, and some I didn't even ask. But uh, 
some of these people are people that went to Mandy directly and pointed out their concern with her quoting Rob Bell in her first book, Starry Eyed. So the second book comes out and there is a quote and it's not cited within the chapter, but if you go to the end notes, this is, this is the end note for that quote. I'm going to read it verbatim. Here is the deal. Some of you will see Rob Bell's name and automatically put this book down. I think that is a total bummer because he has great ideas about parenting that have nothing to do with theology. I also think we can agree about some things and disagree on others and still be friends. And then it shows where you can find the Rob Bell quote. Well, let me just say a few things. First of all, our theology does inform our parenting. So no, I don't want to listen to Rob Bell about parenting. I mean, he might have, you know, I can listen to a secular person about, you know, feeding my baby or or uh, how to get my baby to go to sleep at night or things like that. But as far as my worldview for parenting, no, I'm not going to listen to Rob Bell. Secondly, we distinguish between what is heresy. There is a movie and you can go watch it on Amazon. You will have to pay a few dollars for it. And it's called The Heretic. And Rob Bell even embraces the fact that people call him a heretic almost proudly. And this is a big deal. And if you put somebody in a Christian book that's supposed to be a Christian book and you have moms that uh, don't know any better and they're going to see that Mandy likes Rob Bell, they're going to go pick up his books and they're mm-hmm. going to think that he is okay. And that is not okay. And she does quote him in the first book regarding theology. So anyways, I know I'm getting a little passionate here, but I think this is a big enough deal and I'm upset that women are being deceived. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I want to say very clearly, um, we haven't said it thus far, but it's my belief that Rob Bell is a false teacher and to be avoided completely. So, you know, quotes here and quotes there and saying he's great and we should be friends with him and um, downplaying the disagreements. These are not secondary disagreements. These are disagreements over the doctrine of God, the the atonement. Um, These are massive earth-shaking, foundational theological disagreements, um, and he is a false teacher. So endorsing him is not in bounds of what should be acceptable in studies for women being held at a church. Right. And that's why when we started looking into this more, my husband and I, when we found Rob Bell, I mean, we were just like, this is horrible. Because like you said, a woman could pick up this book, read it. She is she reads a quote, she sees the name, she looks it up. Oh, this guy must be a Christian, right? Because he's in this book that is supposed to be written by a Christian author who heads a Christian organization. And next thing you know, you are being deceived. And so that's why um, I felt so strongly about needing to look into this more and just the more I found, the more upset I became because Rob Bell's not the only one. And I was just about to ask you, Stephanie, <laughs> are there others being promoted? Yes. So I had never heard of these people before, but they are, I guess, Catholic mystics is the category yeah. that they would be. And in. you know what? We did an episode on mysticism, which I'll link in the episode notes. But yet, and let's just say she she promotes not only Catholic mystics, but there's a lot of mysticism in her materials. But go ahead, Stephanie. No, you're right. And she does say, so this is really telling. In her book, Starry-Eyed, she says, and this is 
the direct quote. One of my favorite books is The Rebirthing of God, Christianity's Struggle for New Beginnings by Celtic mystic John Philip Newell. And so I thought, if you say one of my favorite books is this, I mean, that I wouldn't say a book is my favorite book if I didn't fully believe with what was in it. There might be like a sentence here or there where maybe I don't, but overall, I'm going to agree with the main points and the concepts in that book. I mean, would you guys agree with that? <laughs> um, yeah, because I always say that one of, one of my favorite books is Putting Amazing Back in a Grace by Michael Horton. Well, why mm-hmm. is that one of my favorite books? It's because I it's where things that I'd already believed doctrinally came together. It was, it was um, reformed theology and it was easy to understand. I was new to theology. This is uh, 25 years ago. And it's one of my favorite books because it was life changing for me. That's why Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if I take that and extrapolate, you know, that Mandy is saying that this book, the rebirthing of God is one of her favorite books. Boy, in what way was this book life-changing for her and so foundational for her? And it's, it's a book on mysticism. It's easy to see then why mysticism figures so prominently in some of the current Mops um, stuff and in her books um, because she's into mysticism. And John Philip Newell has some other foundational theological problems that really are contrary to foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. And Richard Rohr... He is, he is a, a Catholic mystic, and I'm going to be really straight here and maybe even upset some people, but the Catholic Church has a false gospel. The Council of Trent, which the Catholic Church has reaffirmed that they believe and hold to, even though the new pope has gotten all ecumenical and stuff, the church itself still affirms the Council of Trent, which says, if you believe in justification by faith alone, you are anathema justification by faith alone. It is the heart of the gospel. And um, wasn't it Martin Luther that said it is the doctrine whereby the church stands or falls. And so promoting Catholics and Catholic mystics is extremely problematic. Absolutely. I, you know, some of the quotes here of Richard Rohr are pretty atrocious um, reading them. Here is one um, from a video where he is teaching, um, and he says, so we sort of pushed Jesus into the place of the Trinity. You know, I'm not a heretic for saying this, though to some of you it will sound like it. To formally say Jesus is God is bad theology, and it is incorrect. The Trinity in Christian theology is God. When you pull Jesus out of this and put him up on a big throne that looks like Zeus, you no longer have a dynamic universe, really. You no longer have a God that is in the flow of everything, but a being instead of being itself. I love, Colleen, your very kind note on this. You write... I think it's Stephanie's note. (laughs) Oh, Stephanie, how sweet of you. This is a Trinitarian error. Yes, folks, this is a Trinitarian error, a very bad one. (laughs) This is bad theology. To formally say Jesus is God is bad theology? No, 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 no. Jesus is God. Uh, We don't have to worry about saying that. Jesus is God. That's That's not bad theology. It is completely correct to say that Jesus is God. Um, and, and notice that he is 
worried about whether or not our view of God keeps God in the flow of things. Um, this is kind of getting, I'm, I'm thinking about pantheism here where God is kind of one with nature and in everything. And I, I, again, this is similar to Rob Bell stuff. I know that Rob Bell has uh, some mystic uh, influences and pantheistic. Um, this is very bad theology, folks. It is not the Christian view of the Trinity and God's relationship to nature. He's the creator. He's not a creature. He's not, a you know, in the flow of things in the way that this is being talked about here. Mm-hmm. One thing about Richard Rohr, too, is that one thing I do appreciate about him in doing some of this research is that he's very forthcoming with what he believes. He doesn't hide it at all. Um mm. John Philip Newell's a little, his word, his language is a little bit um, flowery. So it's a little bit confusing to fully understand what he's saying, I think. But Richard Rohr, he does say in a video um, when he has been interviewed, just point blank, what is the gospel? He says, the gospel for me is Jesus's announcement of the shape of reality. And the effect that it has is that it realigns you inside of the universe not in the false self, but in the true self. And so that's what he believes, you know, I mean, he said it. And wow. so, um, yeah, I just, when, when I realized that she was quoting Richard Rohr in her new book, I just thought again, like, wow. I mean, there are so many people that you could quote for a book. Mm. Why would you pick him, you know? And and this is only a few of the people, and we're not going to get really into it, but there are several problematic teachers in a lot of the MOPS materials, and we just simply don't have time to go over all of them. We kind of pick some ones that seem to have really highly influenced Mandy. And you know, Stephanie, you said something that brings up something that I was thinking just today, and that is that Mandy is often vague. And I would actually like to call on her, regardless of what it is you believe, I I think, Mandy, you need to say it right out because you are very vague Mm -hmm. and we can read between the lines. What's often problematic for me is what's missing and what's missing from when you speak, what's missing from your books is the gospel and and centered on Christ. Having friends is not going to offer me long-term hope for eternity. Mm, amen. I, you know, as a businesswoman, I cannot help but think, you know, for marketing purposes, being vague is, is sometimes a good idea. Not coming out straight out and saying what you believe if you are... <laughs> If you are afraid of offending people, um, if you're the CEO and people are buying your books, um, I I think that it is a fairly sticky situation. So, yes, I agree with you, Colleen. Um, It would be very helpful if Mandy would be forthcoming and tell the truth about her beliefs and let the chips fall. And when some people have confronted her, from what I've been told, and obviously I can't cite this, but um, from what I've been told, she is very quick to remind people, well, I've been to seminary. Mandy, if you've been to seminary, then you know. You know exactly what you believe. And we're going to call on you to be forthcoming about that. Um, There's a lot of teachers that are affiliated with MOPS or speak at the conferences or that sort of thing that we would kind of really 
take issue with, and I'm, I'm not going to get into them, but even some of the female teachers that we've taken issue with, it should mm. be mentioned that Mandy is a pastor. Her position prior to this was being a pastor. In my opinion, when we ignore God on that goes back to creation, that it is only qualified men that are called to be pastors and elders. When we start moving away from what scripture says on that, it usually comes with other errors. Oh, I did want to mm-hmm. mention, absolutely. Mandy often uses the Message Bible, and I've been contacted by people that said a lot of the people in their MOPS program are going and buying the Message Bible. If this is you, let me, let me be very clear. The Message Bible is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. And I'm going to read a quote from an article I'll be linking in the episode notes from Banner of Truth. And it says, some people may ask, why are you so picky? Isn't it a good thing that people are reading the Bible? Well, that is just the problem. Someone reading the message is getting the false impression that he or she is actually reading the Bible when in fact they are doing nothing of the sort. They are actually reading one man's explanation of the Bible. To put it more forcefully, they may be getting the message, but they are not getting God's message. So if you're one of those and you've got a message Bible, go get another Bible. There are free versions online. If you can't afford a Bible, email us at theologygals at gmail.com. We will send you one. That is not the Bible. So let me let me say that. <laughs> let me say that. I'm getting a little passionate <laughs> here. Um Let's just talk a little bit about, maybe read a few quotes just theologically. There's so much. I, we're not going to get to everything. Oh, I did want to mention one of the books Mandy talks about and have more fun is uh, Love Letters from God by Daniel Ladinsky. I just said the description says, have you ever wondered if God still speaks through his children? Is there such a thing as a modern day prophet? Johnny Love is here to tell you the truth. I saw no light nor heard any voice, but it was truly Jesus who came to me on January 22nd, 2011. This book is about real love, God's pure love, his unconditional love. And then in a description, this really concerned me. And this is something that Mandy keeps around. She talks about this book and have more fun. It says, Rumi's joyous, ecstatic love poems, Satan. Francis's loving observations of nature through the eyes of Catholicism, Kabir, Kabir's, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, freeing humor that synthesizes Hindu, Muslim, and Christian beliefs, St. Teresa's sensual verse, and the mystical healing words of Sulfi poet Hafiz, these along with inspiring works, and it goes on, for, I think you guys get the point. Um, again, somebody's reading Mandy's book, Have More Fun, and they're like, this is a book she loves. I'm going to go buy it, too. If Mandy loves it, I'm going to buy it, too. This is not a Christian book. Mm. There might yeah. be Christian-sounding things in it. It's not a Christian book. No. It, that book explicitly says that all of those things that you just listed are love poems by God from writers considered conduits of the divine. And as we have discussed on other episodes, we get the word of uh God in the scripture. That is how God speaks to us. And the canon is closed. There is no extra biblical revelation today. And, you know, synthesizing Hinduism, Muslim, and Christian beliefs, that is not a love poem from God. Um, That is syncretism. It's false teaching. Christianity cannot be synthesized with these other religions because what is different about Christianity is that Christianity teaches you can't do it yourself. You cannot be good enough. You cannot satisfy the demands of a holy God, and you need him to provide the substitute for you 
to be able to do that. And you need to put your faith in him and not in yourself. That is why Christianity cannot be synthesized with these other um, belief systems. There's a lot of things throughout her books, things like God is proud of you. Um, she talks about, have you ever thought of God as fun-loving? In Starry-Eyed, she talks about picturing Jesus as the fun uncle who comes over. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of speaking Ooh, boy. about it. <laughs> oh, boy. That is, uh, I, I'm thinking about um, <laughs> uh, some of the descriptions in the catechism about, uh, in the Westminster Catechism, <laughs> about um, what's required in each commandment. I'm remembering our episode on the Ten Commandments and um, how profaning all, uh, you know, not just cursing by using God's name is breaking that commandment, but a whole lot of other things, including being irreverent about God, his word, all of those things. That is, mm, that's blasphemous there. It's, it's very, at the very least, it is quite irreverent. I often hear, and a lot of the stuff that I hear from Mandy sounds just like the emergent church. And I'll try to put mm. some information in the episode notes about the emergent church. Um, it, but it, it's not good. It's, it's not biblical. But there's a lot of talk about this love, you know, go out and feed the poor and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Those things are great. Do them. Absolutely. But there's no talk about that first table of the law, which we would say is the the first four commandments. We've got the two tables of the law, the first four commandments, the, the second six. And those are summarized in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. And I'm not seeing emphasis on loving God and what that looks like. Mm. Uh, Stephanie, maybe you can talk about or maybe um, read a couple quotes of theological problems that you saw. Yeah, there's so many. Like you said, um, one that really stuck out to me in her new book was she writes, um, then Jesus said, give her something to eat. And he's, she's explaining the story when Jesus comes and raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says, give her something to eat. And so Mandy says, give her something to eat. That happens to be my favorite verse in the whole Bible. In fact, it is my life verse. And maybe she's just trying to be funny there, but um, I don't know. I look at the Bible and that's definitely not my favorite verse. I mean, that doesn't even come close. (laughs) Mm. And it really points back to also with the evangelism video, like how we were talking about with like the whole nourish yourself um, and how she seems to really think that Jesus came to make our lives better. Um, mm. he's here to nourish you and that you can, because he said to give this girl something to eat, go, go and eat, go and enjoy mm. this life that you have. Um, and to be clear, we're not promoting asceticism. We're not, you know, promoting denying yourself food, but this has a sort of a greater context of the full idea that she's teaching. I'm going to read another quote that goes along with that. Um, from her book, Have More Fun. All the research presented throughout this book suggests that if we have more fun, we will accomplish more, be healthier, like ourselves better, and people will want to be our friend. Not to mention that fun is an aphrodisiac, the solution for online bullying, and the answer to almost every existential question about how to live a more fulfilling life. You know, if I didn't know better, I would say she's talking about the gospel, but she's not. She's talking about fun. Right. (laughs) There's another thing that I've noticed a lot about what she says that I found to be really troublesome. 
she says this in her book too. It is okay to ask questions, to have doubts, which I agree with, but she says, and to like Jesus, but not like his people sometimes. And that's not the first time that she's alluded to this whole idea of not liking the church and not being okay with the church. Because when she says um, in that very first quote, I think you did Angela, when she was on that all leader call in 2016, she is saying that people are so interested in finding hope that they have no idea what the good news is and they haven't found it amongst the followers of Jesus until now. So she's essentially Mm. saying that there is no gospel among the Christians. And Mm. I just, and there's just all of this talk about, yeah, like just not loving the church and the church is Christ's bride. We're to love the church. We are to, keep the church pure and blameless right before him. And so that was, you know, one reason why I even continued to look into more of this was because I love the church because Christ mm-hmm. loves the church. And that as a Christian, I could not stand before the Lord one day and say, oh, I saw this Lord. I saw what was happening in your church. I saw these women be deceived right before me and I didn't do anything and I didn't say anything because, you know, they all like it. They all like this organization and they all like going and getting together and talking. And it brings in maybe new new members or new attendees to these churches. So they like it because more mm. people come. But I think it goes back to like what you guys said at the beginning about biblical love and like for somebody to not share the gospel is the most unloving thing that they could do. So if Mandy, mm. if yes. Mandy and Mops are a Christian organization and they, I've read both of her books in full, she doesn't share the gospel once. And so I just wonder like, where is that love then that they mm. have? Wow, great. That they have? Great point. Um, you know, I think I, I'd love to address her idea that it's okay to like Jesus, but to not like his people. Just as you are talking about, Stephanie, the church is Christ's bride. Um, but I also want to point out, okay, this is her quote. It's okay to ask questions, to have doubts, and to like Jesus, but not like his people sometimes. Um, let's think about when Christ appeared to Saul, who was persecuting the church. Um, Christ appeared to him and blinded him um, to He was going to call him as an apostle. And he says to Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't Mm -hmm. say, why are you persecuting these people that aren't very likable, that don't represent me very well as my emissaries? He says, why are you persecuting me? It's, it doesn't work to say, well, I like Jesus, but I I don't like his people. If we are in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? We are unified with him. Hating the bride of Christ, hating the church, is hating Christ. It is persecuting Christ. It's not okay to divorce the two. And that is a theme through a lot of her stuff. And we know that there's people been 
uh, hurt by the church, we played a message from Rod Rosenblatt on this very podcast mm. called The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church. So we understand that there are people that have been hurt by the church. We, we recognize that. Um, but there seems to be this idea that it's okay to not be part of a corporate body. You can find Jesus other places. And the church should be, the church, the corporate body belonging to a church should be foundational to our Christian faith and practice. It's not okay to neglect that. So um, we're going to move on just because of time. I know this is going to be a very long episode, but we're actually going to call on churches to separate from mops. And we really want you to consider this. I'm going to put together um, something I'm linking in the episode notes, which will be a resource sheet with all the information we've talked about today and more. Uh, If you have a MOPS program at your church, print that off or send your pastor a link to it. We are calling on churches to separate. We think there is good reason in the things that we've talked about here. MOPS has been made aware of the concerns and the errors continue. We are called to be discerning. I keep thinking all week about the Bereans. Mm. The Bereans really looked and said, does this line up with the word of God? And that's what we are seeking to do here. Stephanie, can you read Ephesians 5, 6 through 13? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what we're calling on you to do right there, is to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Wow. I, I can't even like say anything about that because it's just so... So true. And even 2 Timothy 3, 5, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. When we're not making the gospel central, we're actually denying its power. And in the final words of that verse, avoid such people. I'm thinking back to at the beginning of the episode, Colleen, when you mentioned reading the book of Galatians and seeing how very critical that book makes it to have the gospel be the one true gospel. You read the book of Galatians and you are not going to walk away with the feeling that, hey, if somebody has a false gospel, invite them in, make them the CEO, let them give out all their books, say, it's fine, we're friends, let's just have some more fun. That is not what you will walk away with from reading the book of Galatians. You are going to walk away knowing false gospel we need to separate. And that's what we are calling on churches to do with mops now because they clearly do not have the gospel in their materials anymore. I want to quickly go through, because um, since we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to quickly go through. I know that there are j- objections that people in our that are listening to us right now are thinking. One of the things that I have heard over and over and over again is, but we have a mops program at our church, but we don't use the mops materials. You know what? You are sending money to an organization that is not making the gospel central and foundational to what they're doing. You are supporting them. And we're going to ask you to consider not supporting them. There are some churches that have developed their own curriculum. Sarah Wilkins that we've talked about, she has. You can email her and ask her about that. 
there's people just this week who have said, MOPS isn't designed to be a Bible study. It's an introduction to Jesus. What Jesus? There's no Bible. There's no gospel. There's no bad news. So there's no need for good news. Um, if it's an evangelist, I don't, I don't care if it's a Bible study or an evangelism opportunity, the gospel should be central. Absolutely. There's an old saying, what you win them with is what you win them to. If you're winning them with a gospel that's not the gospel, you haven't actually won them. <laughs> you, you haven't created any converts. You haven't given them the true gospel that can change hearts. You have just given them something else, a cheap substitute, moralistic therapeutic deism, mysticism, something instead. But the worst part about it is you may have let them believe that they have heard the gospel. And okay, I know because I've read letters that Mandy has sent to people who objected to things in the materials. And one of the things that she says is, but, you know, 6,542, I'm making that number up, but, you know, some large number, people got saved this, this year in MOPS. Saved from what? Saved from a sad life with no friends? Or did they really hear the gospel? Did they understand that they were sinners in need of a savior and put their faith in Christ? So that, that's one of my concerns right there. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think we've heard the objection as well that, well, you know, each MOPS group can add in as much Jesus as they would like on their own. And the leader should be, should be able to discern. Okay, so here's the issue that I see with this objection is that what we are saying is that MOPS is not presenting the gospel. And what we are saying is that to the extent that they think that they are and that they are trying, they are presenting a false gospel. So if each MOPS group is needing to adjust and correct for that, if they're having to decide for themselves, hey, are we going to add Jesus in or not? Uh, folks, <laughs> if Christ is not central to um the women's groups and the women's ministry and studies that we have going on for ladies at our churches, boy, I just don't know how to explain why that is so problematic to have to ask ourselves, are we going to add Jesus in or not? Jesus is not an afterthought, not a thing that we decide whether we're going to tack on to the curriculum or not. Jesus is central to our life and our faith practice. Um, there, there is no, well, this is the main event and we just tack Jesus on. Uh, Stephanie, maybe you can answer this one. What, what would you say, Stephanie, to somebody who says, but I just love mops because of the fellowship with other women. That was you because you were lonely, but you've chosen not to be part of mops anymore. So what would you say to somebody like that? I mean, I would say that I understand. I mean, I completely understand why they would want that, but I know that none of that even matters without the gospel. Um, because like you mentioned before, I mean, finding friends, like Mandy's version of finding friends when you're lonely, that's not, I'm, the friends are great, of course, they're a blessing, but that's not going to solve anything. That's not going to fix my sin problem that I have, you know, and mm -hmm. give me gospel hope for when I keep sinning over and over again. And I need to be reminded that Jesus died for me, um, that I can repent of my sins and he will forgive me. And so I just, I really feel like anyone who's clinging on to it, I would say like, 
maybe you're just, are you really trusting Jesus? I guess, um, trusting that he will find you friends, you know, mm. not through mops somewhere else. And there have been other programs like Sarah, Sarah Wilkins church that have been very successful. Great. Mm, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking as the two of you were talking was, you know, this commenter says, I love mops because of the fellowship with other women who love Jesus. You know what? If you have other women who love Jesus, you do not need mops. You do not need that particular umbrella to have a Bible study with God-fearing women. You'd probably be better off having a Bible study with other God-fearing women um, than this particular program. There's no need to support a program like this in lieu of other Christian opportunities to be with believing women. And I would encourage, if you're a woman out there, I hope that you're involved in a good church. And I have made it all the way through without mops. Um, Angela's made it thus far without mops. And and I've been involved in things in my church, women's Bible study, and um, and we have outreach opportunities too. Uh, you know, I've been involved in a food bank at our church. And so we have evangelism opportunities for sharing the gospel with other moms when we're handing out food at the food bank. And there, there are opportunities for evangelism, but also for spiritual growth. And let me, I want to just wrap up with saying this. Feel free to email us at theologygals at gmail.com. You can, all your angry letters, just put attention, Angela. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, the help desk is only available for 20 minutes at 3 a.m. on Fridays when there's a full moon. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, we will no. answer all of your questions. Please stay on the line. Your call is important to us. We we do. We do invite your feedback. If mm-hmm. you took issue with anything we said, let us know. We are open to coming together with our Bibles open and saying, what does the Word of God have to, have to say about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have questions, if you're somebody that says, you know, I'm in an area and I don't even know what a good church looks like, contact us. We will help you find a good church in your area. If you want to know more about Christ and the gospel, feel free to message us about that also. Um, I'll let you know that we do have the Theology Gals Facebook group, which is a great place for connecting with other women. I think Stephanie would tell you that, that she's gotten to connect with other women just via Facebook. And yeah, yeah, it's hard not having women in your area sometimes, but um, it is Christ that unites us right here. All three of us have never met in real life, but it is Christ that unites us. And Amen. So you're welcome to join the Theology Gals Facebook group. We pray for one another. We encourage one another in there. I'm going to link in the episode notes. I'm going to be putting together this resource sheet that you can give to your pastors or your churches or send them a link to it. And then I'm going to be putting some episodes that we did before. We started out with discernment, but one thing I forgot to mention is that we did a whole episode on discernment because I know some people think it's mean to, to call out false teachers, it's unkind. And I have a quote, and I saved it because I wanted to read it. It's from Carl Truman. I'm going to link this article from Carl Truman in the episode notes. It's called Tone Deaf Ref. And it actually had to do with a debate that happened a couple years ago. And there were some bloggers out there saying, well, you just need to be more kind and blah, 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 blah. And we really are attempting to be 
to display kindness and, and graciousness and gentleness in what we're saying here. But we've also used some strong language, and I'm going to just read um, part of what Carl Truman wrote. He said, Had Luther and company conformed to the criteria of politeness, which some blog commenters seem to require today, the Reformation never would have happened. When the faith is on the line, the tone is necessarily strong. That is biblical. If you have not gone so far as to call on someone to castrate themselves, you've not crossed any boundary of taste set by the Apostle Paul. And if you think anger or sarcasm in theological argument are necessarily sinful, you will end up with Christological problems. For Christ exhibited the former and deployed the latter. No doubt such calls for kindness are well-intentioned, but a sharp cutting tone is generally necessary when the faith is on the line. We actually think that the faith is on the line here. When there is no mm. clear gospel, the very foundation of our faith is on the line. And that's why we've had some strong language in what we've said tonight. And it's actually because we love the church and because we love our neighbor and especially because we love God. Amen. So if this is the first time that you've joined us, I hope you'll check out some of our other episodes that might go with this one, which would be specifically the ones that I think of are the one on discernment. I'm going to link all of these in the episode notes. The one on discernment, the one on mysticism, those two especially, because I think the one of mysticism, we really didn't get into the mysticism aspect and define it, but I think our episode on mysticism will will really help you to see why mysticism is not biblical. And then I'll, I would probably I'll also link the one called Private Revelations and the Will of God, because we talk about this idea that some people think that God is giving them private revelations and, and why that is not biblical. So uh, we do invite you to go to our website, theologygals.com, and look at our most recent blog post, which will be posted on um, Monday morning, right after this uh, episode is released, and a wonderful blog article that Stephanie has written calling on churches to separate from mops we ask you to send that to your pastor if your church is part of a mops program if your church is considering being part of it please look at that article and then also the resource sheets and stephanie thank you so much for joining us it was just so helpful to have you um as part of our discussion tonight oh thanks so much for having me it was so fun so we will be back. I know that Angela and I were talking a few weeks ago. Wow, we hit a lot of controversy in May. We're going to do really, really boring June. Not really boring. but <laughs> No, it's going to be called No Controversy June. All we're right. Gonna, we're going to be talking church history, which I'm so excited about. We have an episode already recorded it um, on being single. And that is like a hotly requested mm. uh, episode. And that's a great great episode, great guest, because obviously mm-hmm. none of us are single, not experts in it, but we had a great guest who had some wonderful, encouraging things to share. I think that episode will be encouraging. Uh, we're going to be talking about parenting and fatherhood a little bit, you know, mother motherhood too. And we've got some other things too that are slipping my mind right now. And then Angela and I are planning some kind of doctrinal topics that we'll be picking up like the Ordo Salutis, the Trinity, the doctrine of sin. And so we'll be digging into a lot of, of these fun topics. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Check out the resources and we'll see you next week. Hey, this is Pete Orta, former guitar player for the Grammy award-winning Christian rock band Petra. I'd like to invite you to my new podcast called Christian Conversations Unfiltered. This channel is much different than my sermon podcast. 
The episodes are intimate conversations with people who I enjoy about topics that I can't really unbox from the pulpit. Each episode is unproduced, unedited, and unapologetic. Conversations that might not only help you answer some relevant questions you might be struggling with, but also help create some questions in your head that you might not have even ever thought of. The purpose of this podcast is to help people apply their theology while broadening their biblical worldview. So go to PeteOrta.com, that's P-E-T-E-O-R-T-A.com, and click subscribe to podcast, and then choose what podcast you'd like to hear, if not both, and what platform works best for you. Can't wait for you to join us. God bless.